0: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode 281 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, February 21st. I'm your host Sean Woodley, lockedonraptors.com, uh, Twitter at woodleysean, uh, also at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. Check out the Locked On Podcast Network on iTunes, all that good stuff. I'm sorry I'm rushing the intro here, but it was a very long podcast. I got to go watch uh, Team Canada crush Team USA in the women's gold medal hockey game, and I uh, got to get this thing posted. So uh, today's podcast is with Chris Manning of Locked On Cavs. It was a very good chat. We chatted for about 50 minutes or so. Uh, just kind of about the Raptors and the Cavs and where they sort of stack up and match up stuff and things like that Uh, it was a really good time always like these ones with Chris they're kind of a a regular occurrence where we look at the Cavs and Raptors talk about the two best teams in the East because why not Uh, we have to do lots of content on the network and this seems like a perfect way to fill a day and uh, Chris is great to talk to and we uh got to, to some interesting stuff with the trades that the Cavs made the Raptors whether or not they're different or not and the perception of them and whether or not they would be good in the playoffs all that good stuff so enjoy the conversation with Chris sorry for the rushed intro but you know what I was going to say anyway rate review the podcast on iTunes takes no time it's very easy I appreciate it it makes us, us more popular more visible easy to download all that good stuff so please do that and uh, enjoy the conversation with Chris Manning I'll be back again tomorrow with another episode uh, with Sahal Abdi or someone like that I don't know I Asked Sahal yet, but I'm sure he'll be on. Uh, he's uh, I'm trying to find a guest, and Sahal is usually my go to, so uh, maybe you'll hear Sahal on the podcast tomorrow. If not, it'll be someone else. Uh, and until then, enjoy the, the evening, enjoy Canada beating the U.S. in women's hockey and all that good stuff. And uh, we will talk to you soon on Lockdown Raptors. Enjoy the conversation with Chris. Hey, it's Sean Woodley from Lockdown Raptors,
2: and it's Chris Manning from Lockdown Cavaliers.
1: What's going on, Chris? It's uh, the All Star break. There's not a whole lot actually going on. Uh, this might be a more personal question for you. How how are you? How uh, is life with no Isaiah Thomas on your team and not having to worry about that? Well, what's going on, buddy?
2: You know, it's uh, a All Star break came at a great time. It was uh, very relaxing to to get some time, in and I think everyone out there is that, that little break comes at a good time when the when the when you think about how soon the playoffs really are. But it's in the Cavs. It's it's very almost invigorating covering a team that shed everything, having been in the locker room and at the practices where Isaiah has had some really weird moments, mm-hmm. uh, I am very kind of intrigued to be around this new team. I have not had the chance to go to practice or anything yet, but I'm, I'm very curious to see what the mood's going to be like, but just watching them on TV, as I'm sure listeners from both of our podcasts know, uh, the, the Celtics game, the Thunder game, and just LeBron's kind of vibe right now, it seems like it's it's a different mood, and that's, that's kind of exciting considering... And I don't know if you'd agree with this. This Cavs season felt it was very much headed in one direction, and and it feels like we're at least looking at something potentially different now post trade.
1: Yeah, I can't say I'm pleased with the developments. Uh, I was pretty excited about the Cavs being in utter disarray. I was really banking on them not being able to find a trade, but of course they always pull trades out of their ass because that's what they do. Um, and it's really really annoying that they seem to make trades so easy when really it's a hard thing to do in the NBA. Uh, And then, like, all these teams like the Kings and the Jazz are just like, all right, here, have players. Have these good players to help you be better. Why not? Uh, Let's just help out LeBron at every uh, turn. So as a Raptors fan, it's cool to see LeBron have a good team around him. And, like, once he inevitably makes it to the finals, that'll be at least a little bit more compelling, I suppose. Um, But it's not cool if you were a Raptors fan really sort of looking at the Cavs, which I was. And thinking this was different than years in the past when you'd say, like, oh, the Cavs are vulnerable. Yeah, they can beat the Cavs in the playoffs. Like, that was never really... A thing that was like you said that but you wouldn't really believe it the last couple of seasons like this year I think you kind of could actually believe it because there are real flaws that you could kind of look at and be like yeah this team like there's no way this team is going to be able to play defense in any situation because they just don't have any good defensive players uh, and Isaiah Thomas is such a, a, a black hole on that end that you can really sort of attack that and you know without Kyrie Irving there's one less like crazy shot maker I mean the Raptors have been burned in the past by Kyrie just having fourth quarters from hell uh, and I mean fourth quarters from hell from Raptors perspective perspective they're very good for the Cavs Um, so yeah it was like yeah this feels like a a, maybe a year where it's less of a pipe dream it's maybe like a 50% proposition as opposed to like a 5% proposition and that has kind of gone away a little bit I think I still think people are more confident this season than they were last year and like I don't think this Cavs team with the new additions is as good as they were last year because last year's team was just so incredible but uh, I don't know. Where you at with that? Like, are you thinking differently about a potential matchup with the Raptors? I mean, we have this conversation. Uh, this is like a, I don't know, a bi-monthly podcast that we do. <laughs> we just kind of check in on the Raptors-Cavs matchup yeah. kind of thing. But, like, I don't know. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on sort of how it's evolved since they made the trades and, like, how your opinion of what a matchup between these two teams could look like is...
2: Well, I, I think I think there's two sides to this. Number one, I think if you look at what the Cavs did, I, I think that we, it, we as much as those first two games were very encouraging and beating those two teams in the way they did, I think they both had very impressive notes. I think it's worth noting that it's still too early for us to exact how this works. If you just look at jo- Jordan Clarkson and his shooting numbers right now, are just way higher than they're actually going to be when things level out. He may get that LeBron bump, but he's not going to shoot this well can he going forward. Rodney Hood is a guy that. Listeners of Lock and Caswell and David Locke has pointed that he's a very streaky shooter, so he's not going to be four of eight every night.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know how does George, how does George Hill level out, and how did this stuff sort of even out? And Kevin Love has to come back to and that that's sort of a, a big question mark. But I think on the other side of it, if you look at if you look at Toronto and you know this, but you're certainly better than me, this Toronto team is playing differently. Mm-hmm. Like it, this isn't the same exact Toronto team that the Cavs have faced now. Yes, I think there's still a lot of there's going to be pressure on Kyle on Kyle and on Demar to. Prove themselves in the playoffs against LeBron, and I think Le- LeBron will have that 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 edge, and, and people will trust that you know he's going to perform, and his team's going to perform. But I think this is a I, I think stylistically this Raptors team could present some problems for the Cavs. I think Kevin Love and how he looks coming back would be a, a huge impact on this because he, the the George Hill quote that I know people have seen where he said, "We all have to be Robin to LeBron's Batman," to paraphrase him. Hmm. I think if you look at what made the Cavs able to come back from three one. Able to come back from and, and really run the East the last couple of years, and you know come back in different situations and and, it, and be as good as they were despite their flaws. Kyrie was not—he wasn't another Batman, but he was like a Nightwing. He was able to freelance. He was able to like be have like branch outside of LeBron and do his own thing while still fitting in with LeBron. He was able to exist in those both those worlds. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this team has that. I don't know if this team has that guy that can just go get a bunch of buckets. Can go do that, and I think how they adapt to playing a different way with LeBron. It's still they're still going to probably be very good, but I don't think we know yet how that all sorts out. And I think if you're Toronto, with how like how Damar's playing, how Kyle's playing, how, and in some of the other positions they have, I think they should feel more confident than they have in years past. I think there are questions to answer. I, like I don't think Toronto has a good answer for Kevin Love, mm-hmm. and and I think you know you could debate the merits and how severe of a problem that is, but. I, I think there's no questions, but I think for Toronto, I, I think, in, in Boston too, I, I think both those teams should feel more confident. Even though these trades make the Cavs better, they still should feel more confident about the vulnerability of this Cavs team than I, than I would have last year when they had Kyrie and all the same guys that helped them win the title.
0: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league – helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Yeah, it's gotten kind of, it's become sort of the like eternal struggle of Raptors fans this season is like trying to convince people that like, hey, it actually is different this time. Where like maybe last season or the year before, You know, after the original playoff disappointments against uh, mostly against Washington. I, mean, I don't think Brooklyn you could consider as a disappointment, really, because they weren't even supposed to be there. But, um, like, that, that Washington series, I think, really sort of clouded everything. And then, of course, not playing very well against the Pacers and Heat uh, on their run to the conference finals also kind of played into that as well. Um, and it just feels like people are waiting until the last second, last possible second to buy in that this Raptors team is actually different, even though all of the numbers suggest it's entirely different. I mean, they're, they're playing, their defense is, I think, kind of the, the thing people sleep on the most. It's like a top three or four defense depending on the day you look at the net rating uh, rankings and when you sort of factor in just like all the different ways in which the offense has changed. They're shooting a ton more threes than they used to. They used to be near the bottom of the league in volume. They're near the top of the league in volume now. Their percentage isn't great but they're knocking enough down to sort of make up that math problem. Uh, DeMar obviously is playing significantly better. He's you know adapting to defense is throwing extra attention at him very well he's reading those situations much better than he has in the past Kyle's like significantly fresher than he's ever been in it like I've always been of the mind that Kyle's playoff issues are more health related than like anything related to his skill or his psyche or anything like that I just think he's been banged up in the playoffs and the fact that he's playing 32 minutes a game like I think you're actually going to see the benefits of that come playoff time and he's going to be that much more fresh and that much more able to be aggressive and sort of take games by the reins whenever he needs to which he hasn't had to do much this season which is very good because they're still 41 and 16 with him playing 32 minutes a game and like they've been able to develop everyone else and then yeah I just think it's a very different team their free throw rate I think Matt Moore tweeted about this today like they used to be you know, perennially, like, top three or four, I think the lowest they've ever been in the last five years is, like, eighth in free throw rate. Now they're, like, 15th. Like, they don't rely on that to score, and that was always a thing in the playoffs as well. It was like, oh, the Raptors are so dependent on getting foul calls that, you know, that's just not sustainable come playoff time when whistles tighten up and it becomes more physical game and sort of a different brand of basketball. Like, they seem like they're a little bit more playoff-proof in terms of just, like, how things change, and I think they're a little bit more adaptable. And... I just, I don't know, are you buying into them at all as, like, an improved playoff team? Like, I, I, I'd like to get people's opinions on this, because it feels like people in Toronto, who people who watch the team every day, are like, yeah, this feels entirely different, and yeah, there's still some question marks about Damar and Kyle come playoff time, but, like, the the process seems much more suited to being successful come playoff time, or at least a little harder to sort of stop and completely snuff out. Are you seeing that? Like, do you think this is going to be a more... Uh, playoff ready team based on all the stuff you've seen through fifty some odd games this season.
2: I am. I th- I, I think they're getting contributions from basically everyone that's playing. I think you know, they're. The, I think the three point shooting is just a, a big thing. And I, and I I look at how they're gonna how they're gonna play, and I I, I think there are some breaking points to the Cavs now. I, I think. Lo- just looking at who the Cavs are gonna play, the two. You know, are are the Cavs are gonna feel great about? You know the, about George? Or, um, sorry, Jarrer Smith and and Rodney Hood being the ones defending Demar Derozan, right? Like, are they gonna? Is is that gonna go that well? I mean, has had some success against Demar before, but this is. I mean, would you would you say this is like the best Demar we've seen? I mean, like that. that like if he's at another level, that matters. And I think the Hill acquisition, I think matters a lot for defending Laura because he's so long. Because that's a guy that's been in the playoffs. That's gonna at least make Kyle work on the other end of the floor. I think that matters. Um but I mean, I, I think I also do think it's just one of those things where I, I it's it's so simple to say it, but I do think we just like need to see them. It would it would do. I'll say this. It would do me a lot of confidence in the Raptors, who are right now are number one in the East, and and I think you know have been been the best team qualitatively in the East this year. I think it would help if they whoever they get in the first round. It would really help if they just stomped that team in four or five games just go out there look like a really good team in the playoffs in that in that way and just kind of dominate that would i think kind of that, that might it just might be one of those things you just you have to have that proof when it matters and, and maybe that's philly and that's tough and, or maybe it's someone a little bit worse but if they did that that to me would be like the the way you ultimately sell it it's just you actually go into the playoffs and you act like a number one seed that even if some of the games are close you get through in four or five games
1: Oh my God, I know, man. i I want nothing more than a game one win. I haven't seen a game one win in a playoff series since I was seven years old. Uh, this this needs to happen. And if it's the heat or the Sixers or the Pistons or one of these kind of flawed teams at the bottom of the east, like i I don't i that's the thing is like, Normally, when you go into a, a playoff series as a as a Raptors fan, you are like, all right, there are four teams that could potentially get this matchup, and you're overanalyzing every single one of them, and you talk yourself out of wanting to face every single one of them because everyone presents a different sort of challenge. This season, I'm just like, yeah, they'll play who they play, and I feel like they're going to beat them, and I feel like it'll be you know pretty convincing – You know, the Sixers are interesting because Joel Embiid is so damn good. But other than that, like, I'm just not scared of any of those teams in that range. And even the Sixers, I think they have crunch time issues. I think, you know, Ben Simmons' inability or just, like, total reluctance to ever take a shot outside of the the paint, like, that's going to end up being an issue as well that could kind of be exposed come playoff time. So, like, I'm not concerned about any of these teams, but I feel like I'm kind of in the minority because Raptors fans... Like, I, I do think... You know, while I say I think people are more confident, there is still just every time the Raptors play one of these teams in the regular season and it's a close game. I think they had that game against the Heat last week where they were you know pretty convincingly up and then they gave up a bad fourth quarter run the, and then it was a close one possession game at the end. And people got all like, oh man, better avoid the Heat. And it's like, well, you got to play one of these teams and you can't avoid them all. Um, and I do feel like some people kind of overhype and sort of fear monger a little bit, maybe too much with some of these teams. But yeah, I, I totally agree that Honestly, it doesn't even need to be like a, like a big first-round win. Like, win a Game 1, and I feel like people's perceptions will instantly change. Like, that's pretty much all it is. I think a convincing Game 1 win where you don't sort of come out flat at home... You don't wear the wrong color jersey so the other team is matching the home color jersey uh, <laughs> like the Nets series back in the day. And like you don't just like lay down and die at the hands. You don't become like the stepping stone to Giannis Antetokounmpo becoming a superstar. Like, just beat a team. And I agree. Like I understand the sort of hesitation from people to be like, yeah, let's buy into the Raptors before seeing that happen. But I do think that it's much more likely that we will see it happen this season. So that's why I'm kind of like... Buying in a little bit ahead of time, but maybe that's just me being naive and stupid. I don't know, Um, but I do think, you know, as it comes to the Cavs, it should be a a, like a closer, like less you know total blowout of a series. I don't think we'll see LeBron yamming on the Raptors off backboard in the first minute and sort of drinking a beer on the sidelines and laughing. Like I think it'll actually be a series that requires LeBron's full attention. Uh, Like I don't know, how do you sort of handicap that series right now? If they were to play. Raptors, Cavs, right now, or say two weeks from now, a month from now, you know, obviously assuming Kevin Love is back, a uh, hundred times they play this series, how many times do you think each team wins?
2: You know, I, it's an interesting question because I've been thinking about this, and I, I don't. Part of my gut, my brain tells me it's intellectually, it's somewhat intellectually dishonest to just assume the Cavs are fine right now. Right. And I don't know. I. I have like this this weird thing because it, it the, I, I th- I've I've always as, as a member of Cavs Twitter and a and a guy that has watched LeBron my whole life I find it silly to doubt things that he's gonna do yeah like that just typically unless he's playing the Warriors or like the the, the first finals with the Heat happens or he's, like his freaking teammates are Sasha Pavlovich and <laughs> and, the, and the Magic like have guys on steroids. Um, you don't bet against LeBron, right? It's just like, it takes a lot to actually stop him. And it's usually at these, at the, the big mo like the, the absolute maximum of where he's taking his team anyway, right? Like...
1: As someone who has witnessed the full force of playoff LeBron a couple times now, I also am in that camp as well. <laughs>
2: But at the same time, like if you looked at the Cavs this year, and yes, they're like you can, I know I, this. It, it functionally is like a roster reset in a lot of ways, despite a lot of some guys being there. But it's it's very new pieces uh, now with with six guys coming out, two, four guys coming in. It's I think it's a little bit intellectually dishonest to just say at least a little bit intellectually dishonest to just say this team is now fine. They're going to run through the East. and There's going to be no issues. I think you can feel that way, but I don't think there are data points that on on a, whatever. However, you're going to track this. I don't think that's there yet. I think they probably get there. But if you're, I think if they, I think they benefit especially. And this is sort of why Kevin loves return matters so much. Mm-hmm. I think this team needs time to gel together to play together. They have time now. I think they probably would have been. They'd be the one team that maybe probably didn't really benefit from the All Star break happening when it did. Right. They probably could have used two three more games to practice. They, they in some of the courts I saw coming out of their practice. On Wednesday, that they indicated that that they're they're kind of going back to the basics as guys were away doing their own thing, and, and that's that's what you do in Austria break. That totally makes sense. I th- I, I think we're, we're gonna know we're gonna know somewhat when we get to the playoffs and the first couple rounds, but it, it's hard for me to handicap right now because there's just we just don't really know what this Cavs team is yet, and it's unfair to, to label them in any real way. I think. I think if I was going to trust my gut, I think that I think in my mind it's if I was going to rank who I would say was most likely to come out of the East, it'd go in in, in this order in only three teams: Cleveland, then Toronto, and then Boston. And I think that was my hierarchy with Toronto very much right now, pushing on with the Cavs because they they've just been the best team in the East this year and have that balance and are playing new and and I, I you know Boston, Boston again has struggled the way, but they're probably going to go back to being better than they have been recently just because you you would expect they would. But I, I, think, I, I think the Cavs have a chance to reassert themselves, even if, even if they end up as the three seed, which seems very possible and maybe likely. I, I think that they have a chance to reassert themselves. Where, where do you fall on, on where these two teams ultimately break down and, and how the top of the East sort of looks to you right now?
1: Yeah, I think the LeBron thing is always going to be the trump card until it's not. So I, I would still put the Cavs ahead of the Raptors, but I don't think, like I, I've kind of alluded to, I don't think it's quite the gap that it used to be, and I think... You know, where, as in the past, like, the Cavs were kind of alone at the top, and there was a big gap, then it was, like, Raptors, Wizards, Celtics, whoever. I feel like it's more close to something like Cavs at the top, Raptors, like, just behind, then maybe a bit more of a gap, and then, like, Celtics, Wizards, Bucks, I think, probably. Um, Like, I don't think the Celtics are going to be a very good playoff team. I think their offense is too... Too far gone at this point to really think it's going to be something they can salvage in time for the playoffs. And I think it's going to be kind of their their death in the playoffs is just not an ability to score because, you know, the whole offense bees defense thing. I I think that very much holds true, especially against very good offenses. And, like, I I wouldn't be shocked if the Celtics got, like, a big scare in the first round from some team, Um, which, like, could also happen for the Raptors and Cavs as well because the East is a little deeper and it's a little better. Um, Like, that Cavs Bucks series that's sitting there right now is the potential 3 6. Like, I wouldn't want that to be a series if I'm a Cavs fan like I don't think the Cavs lose that series but I wouldn't want that to happen I don't think the gap is high enough right now where I'd just be super confident like yeah the Cavs are going to steamroll through this like they do in the first round every year I think they'd at least get a scare um, and they and,
2: could get Philly like if yeah. you look at the standings right now it's yeah. Toronto would get Miami which I think they, they would feel very good about and it seems like Detroit maybe gets up there but they're sort of a game and a half out with not a lot of time left yeah boston boston gets philly which you know i they, they probably win that series but that's not an easy series for them by any means yeah um cleveland gets boston or milwaukee like you said and that's tough and you know washington and and the pacers is a hundred well, percent wizards pacers would 1000 percent be an nba tv
1: oh like my god thousand percent wizards pacers might bump the raptors from 12 30 on the first saturday like yeah, it very well could that would well be, like, that so, would be... No, such a win. Just shouts to the
2: Pacers and the Wizards, but like you're 100 percent like playing in the game at the times where like no one besides us junkies are watching. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I think one of the beauties of the East this year, and in, in looking at it, is I think you're probably you, you could be right about Boston. I, I have my doubts about them as well. Although I, I think very highly of Kyrie, but I think the, the, you, the, there's limitations on what they're kind of getting out of guys. From. They they basically really missed Gordon Hayward shockingly because he's yeah. their best player. Stunner. <laughs> yeah. Shocker. Gordon Hayward not playing all year really hurts them. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the the East, whoever these team I think the one of the things I feel confident in saying is maybe more so than last year, and maybe so the year before as well, when the Cavs have, you know, like faced like a piston team that wasn't really that good but played really hard. I, I think the Cavs and in, in Toronto and Boston are probably all getting teams that are at least gonna make them uncomfortable. Like the Cavs play the Bucks, dealing with Giannis is not gonna be
1: great. And it sucks. Bucks, so Let it's me tell great. you, it sucks a lot.
2: I, last yeah, last year, like the, <laughs> it's the, Wizards, truly the Raptors terrifying. W, yeah. Like he's he's insane. Um, you know, like whoever has to do with Joel Embiid in the first round and Ben Simmons in the first round in that and that team, like, that that's hard. Um yeah. I, I think all these teams could get some rub that, and maybe that'll tell us something and and because and, honestly like you know, it's some of this especially with the Cavs, it's just like and and I've said this about Toronto in this podcast as well, but I, some of it just feels like we need to get there and then just kind of see where it lays. And I and I don't know if either I, I don't think we should think of the either this team necessarily as, you know, finals favorites. I don't know where you how you like if you're gonna rank the teams most likely to win a title, but where they would fall on your on your personal list. But I, like I I would I'm pretty sure I'm picking whoever comes out of the West to win, especially if it's Houston or Golden State. And we assume it's it's Golden State.
0: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Yeah, I don't, like, everyone's playing for second, I think. Uh, I think the Warriors are going to steamroll anybody. I don't think what the Cavs did is going to be nearly enough to contend with the Warriors, although I guess the pieces fit a little bit better for that series now than they did two weeks ago. Um, But no, I, I think it's for second, and, you know, honestly... I feel like the finals thing for the Raptors means a lot more than it does to Cavs fans. So like, that's what my rooting interest. Like, I I hope to see that even as like a neutral NBA fan. I feel like that'd be a cool thing to see. Although everyone hates the Raptors, um, like I think that'd be kind of a fun story if they were the team to unseat LeBron. I'm biased, of course, but uh, and it's weird that I can talk about it and think it's like at least a remote possibility. Like I didn't have any illusions the last couple seasons. Like it was. Even that six-game series, it never really felt close. Um, Those two games at home were fantastic. I was at those. It was unbelievable. And it was just like an amazing moment for the Raptors and the franchise. And it was just like, yeah, they're here. There was one game there where it really felt like they were kind of on the level of the Cavs. It was that game four, late in the game, the Cavs had scored like 12 straight possessions and the Raptors kept scoring also. And I was like, yeah, this is the one part of this series where it's like, yeah, these two teams are equals. Other than that, it was a complete blowout, and I think even the Raptors kind of knew. There's a, I think it was Louis Scola talking to Bruce Arthur. I think he talked about this on Zach Lowe's podcast about how you know before Game Six uh, in Toronto. He told Bruce, like, yeah, this is going to be hard. This is not going to go well. Uh, they kind of knew it was over at that point. I don't think that's going to be the, 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 the sort of tone of the series. I think it'll be a lot more. I think the Cavs will have to take the Raptors more seriously, and I feel like the respect level from LeBron, as much as it hasn't been there the last two seasons, will kind of have to be there. Otherwise, maybe he could get bitten. Um, what, I just wanted to go back, circle back, just sort of the, to the new guys and the Cavs. Who do you think is the most important guy that they got at the deadline?
2: I think it's George Hill.
1: Yeah,
2: um, I also a, a guy short... that I
1: hate playing in the playoffs. <laughs> it's
2: look, man. I look. I did not remember how. i having just openly gonna admit that I didn't watch a lot of Kings basketball this year. <laughs> I'm like just just gonna say that. I don't know if like I keep track of. I'll just say this. I keep track of how many times I watch teams other than the Cavs, just so I like make sure I'm splitting it up evenly and right. kind of know what I've done. Um, the Raptors have been bottom three amongst teams I've watched all year just just no, no reason for me to watch
1: the kings um the kings
2: I or the raptors because, oh sorry i, I didn't mean it's the raptors the kings oh, okay. uh, the raptors are fairly happy the kings just no reason to watch the Kings. no they're um, trash they're
1: they're, they're they're not fun
2: <laughs> yeah and i just would like to see like all, all i needed to know is that tweet george sent out um about <laughs> all the angry emojis and then he like tweeted about his friend's rap like rap video and i was like okay like this is clearly not going well um Side note, I'm very excited to see how Mon Shumpert handles Sacramento. Like, I'm fascinated by, by Shumpert, <laughs> Nor- NorCal. Um, like, he, I hope he just, like, watches Lady Bird and tries to live his best life that way. But um, I think it's hill because he's the opposite of Isaiah Thomas, right? Like, he's not going to come in and, like, I don't think he's going to say anything that's just going to be weird. I Like, I can't imagine he's going to, uh, like, be part of a gang up on Kevin Love and accuse him of being sick. Like, I'd be surprised if that <laughs> happened. He's very long he's not short um he's not he doesn't have a bad hip like the toe injury is something i think we need to see how like there's been some rumblings about what that toe is like but i i think it's him and and i think from there i think if we're looking at the second one and i'm i'm maybe overstating the excitement of it because i think the 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 buy-in in the the cleveland market on him is going to be huge but i I think nance could be number two i think there's a chance like i think clarkson's been kind of the the one that's maybe outperformed expectations so far but I think there's a chance it's, it goes in order, I think my personal order would be Hill, who's clearly number one in the, the short term impact, then Nance then Hood, then Clarkson coming in, coming in last, I don't know, how, how do you as someone who, who has just seen them play twice and, and objectively knows these other guys uh, to some degree, what, how do you think they actually change what the Cavs have been in and should, is, do the Cavs need to like, mess with the formula of what they've done or, or is there like a version of this that maybe makes them more dangerous in some way
1: yeah, I think I think you had kind of have it spot on in terms of like the ranking of how important they are. Like, I think George Hill is such a perfect point guard to play with LeBron. Obviously, it didn't work with Isaiah. It worked with Kyrie to have sort of a ball dominant point guard because he was so damn good, and it gave a nice release valve to LeBron. Uh, like, it didn't work with Isaiah just because he was so inefficient, and it just didn't work. Uh, you know, maybe it would have come to work in time, but I don't know. I've always kind of had my issues with Isaiah Thomas as anything but just, like, the best offensive player on a team. Like, I think that's kind of his lot in life, and whether or not that team is good, who knows, but uh, I don't think he can really play off ball and be that effective and be a secondary guy and really have any you know, too much utility. So I think George Hill is just like a perfect dude to have there. Uh, He's also probably like their best defensive player now too, which uh, is not an unimportant thing for a team that's been playing Isaiah Thomas, Jose Calderon, and Derek Rose at point guard all season. Like, I think that matters and in the playoffs, especially against the Raptors, we've seen George Hill lock up Kyle Lowry in the past and give him a whole lot of problems in that Pacers series a few years ago. So I think both in terms of just, like, the matchups that they're likely to come across in the playoffs and just in terms of just, like, the fit on the team. I agree that Hill's probably number one. And Nance, like, I've never been, like, a huge Nance guy. Maybe I just don't watch the Lakers enough. I don't know. Um, but, like, I think he kind of fits. He almost seems just like a less broken Tristan Thompson, which, you know, a non-broken Tristan Thompson makes the Cavs very dangerous and very good defensively. And if Larry Nance can kind of be some sort of, you know, comparable style player maybe not quite as talented as peak Tristan Thompson but like maybe he is I don't know Uh, I I think that is just like a big boost to a team that has really had no bigs all season long and just to have a warm body there who's a little springier and a little just a bit more has a bit more youthful exuberance than Tristan Thompson I think that's going to be really useful Uh, Hood scares me just because shooters around LeBron are terrifying and that's uh, certainly going to be a thing (laughs) and that's like he's going to have a game where he goes off for 25 and hits eight threes in a game like that's just going to happen because that's what happens when LeBron is sort of dictating the offense and you have a shooter around him as good as Hood is and you know, Clarkson, whatever. I've not really been high on Clarkson, and yeah, he's been good the first couple of games with the Cavs, but I don't think that'll last. Maybe this is a situation where he comes to a new team and is just a different and better player and sort of uh, reawakened, and uh, you know, there's new life breathed into him. But I don't think he's all that important, and I wouldn't be shocked if he kind of fell out of the rotation when things shorten up the playoffs. If you're just looking at the guys in their roster and who you're going to want to have on the floor because i don't think you're going to play like jordan clarkson over kyle korver just in terms of you know how the Cavs tend to work uh you know clarkson almost seems like an isaiah replacement in that he's really good when he's sort of you know, dictating the offense and has the ball in his hands a bunch, but you don't need that when LeBron's on your team, so I'm not sure how useful he'll be when things really start to matter, um, but yeah, I think the, just not having bad defensive players everywhere is where this is going to help the Cavs significantly, and where I have some pause, because, I, you know, if the Cavs were going to be the 29th or 30th ranked defense all season with a, you know, kind of sputtering top 10-ish offense that hasn't been very good lately, like, that's a team i think you can beat in the playoffs and i think as good as lebron is there's only so much you know data that he can overcome by just being himself like there's just some parts of the team that are just so qualitatively and quantitatively bad that there's you can't overcome that Um, and I I thought with that sort of profile they had before I thought maybe that could be sort of a formula for upsetting them and now if they're going to be like somewhere between like 15 and 20 on defense and kind of regain some of that offensive magic they had early in the season then yeah I think that's definitely a problem for the Raptors and I think that becomes a lot harder for any team that's not named the Warriors to sort of solve and I think the versatility they have they can go big they can play Tristan or Nance with with Kevin Love they can keep playing Love at the 5 and go LeBron at the 4 with a bunch of shooters they can you know imagine a lineup with, like, Hill, Hood, Corver, LeBron, and Love. Like, that's terrifying. That's just so much shooting and so much space. Maybe it's not the best defensive lineup in the world, but also you have Hood and and Hill out there who can kind of reasonably play defense at the very least or, in Hill's case, potentially be a shutdown guy, so maybe you kind of balance out the 195 offensive rating that lineup would put up with, you know, a reasonable defensive rating as well. So, yeah, I just think there are a lot of different looks they can go to now, and just having warm bodies who aren't just decaying corpses of old players with... Large egos or Tristan Thompson, like, I think that is really just going to be useful because LeBron with warm bodies is a, a better formula than most teams can actually throw out there.
2: I haven't thought about this much yet, but I wonder how similar this Cavs team ends up being to like the the team that lost Kyrie and Kevin Love in the first the first season and like was playing Delhi and yeah. was it was like LeBron and Patrick. I, I want, he dragged them in that, and I wonder if if the town's better. I wonder if he believes that he can drag them even more.
1: It feels that like a better kind of version of really- that, right? I, I, I can't see that. Yeah,
2: I mean George George Hill's like Delhi but good, you know. Yeah. Um, you know Nance's. I think I, I think uh, Nance's is. is you know like I, I think this team I think this team is missing certain things like I think they could use like a, a legitimate room protector to some degree but yeah. you know like you're I, I think you you're good you, if you're picking Nance or like a Tristan room protector or, or DeAndre like I, I think like I think this gives them a better chance than giving up more stuff to get DeAndre Jordan like I think in this this reality is kind of much better for them
1: yeah
2: um I the, the, here's my question about Toronto the rest of the way. The, what is there anything you need to see from them to to kind of what like or to see them iron out or their issues they need to iron out before the end of the regular season before they gear up for this playoff run? And you know in and and, 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 and uh, as a side to that, do they need to get the number 1 seed? Like is it for them getting the number 1 seed something that would would matter into to some degree? Because for the Cavs I, I don't I think as long as they're top three, I think they're fine. And Mm -hmm. I think they're probably going to settle the three. That's kind of where my guess is unless they just go on a crazy run. But does Toronto need the number one seed to some degree?
1: yeah, I think the i I think coming into the season they would have said no, like they're just gonna try to develop their young guys rest Lowry and stuff and just sort of see what happens. and what's happened is that they're really goddamn good when they're resting Kyle Lowry and they're getting these young guys lots of run. So the fact that they can kind of have their cake and eat it too by getting the rest for the guys that they want to rest while also winning you know three out of every four games, I think they are totally happy with that. and I think at this point, considering how much they've kind of kept in the tank for their stars. I mean, Lowry and Ibaka and DeRozan had like a stretch just before the All-Star break where they didn't play a fourth quarter for like five or six games. Um, Like, that's all going to matter. And if they really need to sort of go for that extra boost to try to get the one seed, I think they're actually going to do it now because there is a real incentive to do it. It's not just getting home court, which I think, obviously, you know, we've seen how bad the Raptors have been playing Cleveland in Cleveland and how competitive they've been. Uh, at home against the Cavs over the last couple of seasons. Like, I think that matters. And I I think they'd be very happy to get the one seed over anybody because they are damn good at home. They're 24-4 and at home this season. Who knows how much that matters, but they're very good at home. They always have been. Everyone knows how crazy the Raptors crowd is. Like, that's a place you want to play four games in a playoff series as opposed to three. Um, And also just, like, avoiding both the Celtics and Cavs I think that is a, a pretty nice way to go about it. I mean not having to play one of them to get to the second to the next one in the conference finals like that's just an easier path um and like if you like going deep in the playoffs like I, I feel like it's all ultimately going to come down to whether or not they fall to two and play the Cavs in the second round, or, or make it to a conference finals and play the Cavs. Like I'm not sure how far they get ultimately matters in terms of evaluating the season. I think it's always going to come down to the Cavs regardless of when they play them. But uh, I, I still think for the fans and just for like the enjoyment sake of it, like going deep in the playoffs is really good and it's, there's extra clout that comes with that being a Final Four team as opposed to a Final Eight team. So uh, there's a lot of reasons for them to go for the one seed, and if they can do it without putting everyone at risk of injury by playing them 40 minutes a game, then why the hell not do it? Um, when you know Fred Van Vliet can give you 25 minutes a game and you can blow teams out with your bench, like that, that just seems like a reasonable thing to go after. And with the way the Celtics are sputtering, maybe that becomes you know locked up a lot earlier than we're thinking. It's a two-game split right now. The Raptors have a pretty easy schedule. I know the Celtics still have some road trips left. The Raptors don't leave the Eastern time zone for the rest of the season. Uh, They've got all their Western trips out of the way pretty early. So, uh, like, there's it's kind of set up here for them to go on a run here and to continue on with the really good stretch they had before the All-Star break. And I don't really see that going away anywhere. And then in terms of stuff they got to work on, honestly, it's been kind of a holding pattern for a while because it's like, all right, this is all going to come down to the playoffs anyway. But if there is one thing, and this obviously is directly tied into how effective they'll be in the playoffs, it's the crunch time offense, and it's not been very good. There's been a lot made of it. Uh, they're, they're, I think, like a minus 14 net rating in, in clutch situations this season, and that's not very good. And some of the best teams they've come across, I mean, the Warriors, the Celtics, like they've had crunch time games against these teams and have kind of wilted in crunch time with their offense kind of reverting back to old habits. I am less concerned about like the ice ball late in games than I think most people are, just because that's what every team does, and that's just what you know. It's a low risk, you know, get the ball in your best player's hands sort of strategy, which I think most teams kind of employ in close game situations. And the sample is not very large; it's like eighty-five or eighty-six minutes over the course of the whole season that the Raptors have had as a clutch situation so far. They're not the Celtics playing you know five point games against the Magic every time out, like they're blowing teams out, so they're not getting a ton of practice or, or reps in those situations uh, and they still haven't really established what their crunch time lineup is going to be and maybe it's just fluid maybe it's different against every team but uh, I feel like if there's one thing they have to sort of work on it's like it's finding a lineup that you trust in those situations and then also kind of coming up with at least a few sets where you can kind of be more creative with the offense and be less predictable and telegraph DeMar DeRozan you know coming around a screen to try to find his own shot a little bit less and I, I, I kind of believe uh, and I'm going to Give him the benefit of the doubt because everything Dwayne Casey's done this season has been a vast improvement and has kind of blown my expectations way out of the water. And so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt over the final 25 games that he's going to be able to figure it out. Um, You know, maybe he doesn't, but I think he's earned the right to sort of and earn the sort of leash from Raptors fans to expect that he's going to figure something out. And, uh, you know, the all-star game. He he drew up a nice play at the end for LeBron and Kyrie and whoever else was involved in that play. Maybe that's the start of something nice with him. Um, But, yeah, if there's one thing. Like, the first 46 minutes of games has been pretty much flawless. And it's been so consistent every night. The Raptors are just blowing teams out. They get to the fourth quarter. And, like, very rarely do you feel that much stress. And... Uh, maybe it's the matter of just, like, letting bad teams back into games, Celtic style, a little bit, just to get some reps late in games, because, really, they, they haven't been able to get them that much, but, uh, if there is something, it's those last two minutes of games that I'd really like to see them kind of iron out, and, you know, that could really derail them come playoff time, sure, if, if they still have the same problems, but, again, I, I think they will get there. And like they they've been good enough all season in every other facet that I'm I'm gonna give them some patience in that regard. So I think it'll come around at some point.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. I, I I would expect it. Well, and just Demar and Kyle. I mean, this is. I mean, this could. I mean, I don't. It's it's hard to know this in the moment, but there, there's a chance this is their best their best shot, right? Like there's there's a chance yeah. that this is the the best this group could ever be. I mean, the young guys should sure keep be getting better, but. You know, there, There's a chance, in, in theory, that this is the what could be the, the peak or one of the few peak seasons for both of these guys, or at least Damar, I think, has just been awesome.
1: The nice um, thing about this season, sorry to cut you off, but uh, the nice thing about it is that they've kind of set themselves up with a window here, and like, yes, they have to pay a couple guys, like Fred VanVleet could walk this summer, get a big offer sheet from somewhere, and they won't be able to match it, but... Like, most of these young guys are still in their rookie deals. They have Serge, uh, Kyle, and DeMar locked in for three seasons, two seasons beyond this at least. Um, And, like, next season, theoretically, especially if LeBron ends up leaving, like, that could be their peak window. And yes, Hayward comes back and the Celtics become more dangerous because those young guys are better as well. But, like... Think about how good DeLon and Fred and Jacob and Pascal are right now and think about it a year from now and just how much better those guys are going to be and also still very cheap and cost control for the next couple of seasons. Like, this doesn't have to be an all-in year for the Raptors and it's nice that they are – like, I think they're ahead of the curve a little bit in terms of this sort of reset, reset window that – Messai set up over the summer like I don't think they were expecting to be this good this year I thought this was going to be sort of more of a transition year with, with 2018-19 being the season where they really go for it and maybe make some trades to try to bring in veterans or whatever uh, the fact that they've already gotten to this point and they're already going to probably break their regular season wins record this season with so many young guys on the team and losing so many guys over last offseason like I think that's everything is going to be gravy at some point maybe it's not just yet but it does feel like it's headed towards that track where even if they lose in the second round. Of the Cavs, it doesn't require them to blow things up. It's like, okay, we saw it. We're gonna be better next year. We have the same dudes in house, uh, and let's sort of run it back again. And maybe people will get tired of that. But I sure like watching 50 plus win basketball. It's really good.
2: Better watching good basketball is a much better use of everybody's time. Like 100. Yeah. Um, we're all we're all better off in watching basketball and like good teams. Like I always feel for teams that. <laughs> Like among all the drama of covering this Cavs team, I think there is. It's just kind of nice to actually watch stuff that can get really competent when it really matters, yeah. despite all the, the insanity around it. I'm like Mike. So let's wrap it up on this this last question. Yeah, we haven't. The Celtics are sort of like the the, the kind of last team in all of this. We've we've hit on them a little bit, but if you're looking at the, the your, I, I kind of gave my rankings, but where would they fall in your? say these teams are most likely to get out of the East. How do you stack them up? Like, is it and is Boston in your mind like have like a is it really is it just Cavs or Raptors or is Boston a legitimate third party in all of this?
1: I think it's. I don't think they're like a zero percent chance. I think if I was to handicap it, I would say like Cavs fifty percent, Raptors thirty, Celtics like fifteen, and then throw everyone else in the remaining five. Whether it's the Wizards or the Bucks or the Sixers, if they get hot or something like that. Um But yeah, I think the Celtics have a case Because their defense is so good And Kyrie himself is just like a very good playoff player And a very good player to have in a playoff series And in a lot of these series Will be the best player on the floor Um you know that that's a nice thing to have if you're the Celtics, and you can kind of maybe you get hot. You know, Marcus Marcus Smart hits seven threes in a game or whatever again, or Jason Tatum recovers his early season form. Like I, there's a formula there. I just don't know if it's super sustainable. I don't think they're very deep. I think their bench is bad, and maybe that becomes less of an issue when you get to the playoffs and you're playing seven or eight guys, but. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like they kind of burned themselves out early in the season, to be honest, because they were playing so damn hard during that win streak and just over the course of the first half of the year when they were rattling off all these wins. And when you're not a deep team, like I feel like that's going to catch up to you at some point. And, you know, I, again, their offense is so just sort of unimaginative and not very good or effective that I'm not super scared of it in a playoff series and like I wouldn't be shocked again like if I'm to handicap these top three teams as to who's most likely to get upset in the first round as a Raptors fan it feels weird to say that it's not the Raptors but I do think it's the Celtics I think that like they could get sort of clipped by some team if they get the wrong matchup or like they get Giannis for example and Giannis goes nuts like I I could see that happening for sure so uh, they remind me a lot of that 2014-15 Raptors team. Maybe they're a little bit more talented, but, like, the Raptors started off so well that year. They were 24-7. and Uh, they lost to Marta Rosen for, like, 21 games, and that injury kind of led to a domino effect where Kyle got burnt out, and the whole team kind of lost its mojo when Kyle stopped being so effective. And then they just obviously got swept and shit-kicked by the by the Wizards in the, in the playoffs. Um, but, like, I think... Maybe they're a little bit better than that. Maybe they're they're less likely to have a really sort of di- disappointing playoff run. But uh, no, I, I don't think they're quite with the Raptors or Cavs. I still think they're good. I still think they're dangerous. They're not a team that's going to get swept or anything in a series against like the Raptors or Cavs. Um, and like, but I just I don't feel confident. If it finishes this way, one, two, three, I feel pretty confident the Raptors and Celtics are not playing in the playoffs. Let's put it that way.
2: I, I think that's fair. I think Boston has to kind of it, it, their offense has just not looked um Well, is it is the is your th- reason to have the Cavs at you sort of as your favorite there? Is it just LeBron? Like, is it because of is it because of you? It's just what LeBron will likely do just ends up being unmanageable. Even yeah, for a team that likes to run played this well.
1: Yeah, like I'm not betting against LeBron until it's a year late. To be honest, like he's. He's too damn good. I have too much respect for what he does in the playoffs. We always forget what playoff LeBron is like, and for LeBron now to not be angry all the time and actually have players he seems happy playing with, that seems like a good thing for the Cavs. And uh, and I just it feels he almost feels insurmountable at times, sometimes. And like eventually he's not going to be. And at some point his this run of making the finals every year is going to stop. And maybe it's this season. But again, I'm not going to bet on that happening until a year after it happens because I just don't, I can't envision it happening uh, just the way things have gone the last seven years. Maybe I'm just so, like, accustomed to him making the finals in a breeze. I, I just, I can't envision it happening. So uh, for now, I'll, I'll hold back from my, like, yeah, Raptors, baby, is there an 80% chance to make the finals? Like, I'll hold back from that biased opinion right now uh, because I LeBron has hurt me too many times in the past to. I uh, think anything else.
2: I, I think that's sort of as good a place to leave it. Um, yeah. As any, I think that that's how I end up feeling too. I think we need to see Toronto uh, do it, and I, I hope that I kind of hope that's what we get. Um, in
1: this uh, in this relationship between the Raptors and Cavaliers, the Raptors are the U.S. women's hockey team, and the Cavs are the insurmountable, unbelievable Canadian hockey team, uh, the Canadian women's hockey team that is about to stomp the United States know, hockey team. All over the floor in the gold medal game in about an hour's time from the time of recording. Just had to throw that in there, by the way. Well, look, I don't know Shawna, if you care about hockey, but...
2: Sean, <laughs> I wasn't going to do this to you because we're both Tottenham fans. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, and in in right now, I, I just feel like the Raptors are going to could pull an arsenal. And, like, you know, Lowry's going to be hit the Lacazette from the Derby a couple weeks ago and just blow
1: it. <laughs> That's also probably true, considering history. So, uh, I'll take if, my if, Team if, Canada gold medal. <laughs> And the Raptors losing—that's fine. I can deal with that. This is what it's been my entire life. Uh, I, I can't remember a day in which Team Canada lost to the, the United States. And uh, I mean, I think they almost lost in 2014, but I don't know if I recall. Team USA completely choked it away late. Um, Look, I'm
2: not disputing it. And in the Winter Olympics, <laughs> I'm like half—I'm I'm half rooting for my Norwegian bloodline anyway, because the Norwegians <laughs> are just fantastic at skiing and just like have great health care just rack up medals that's like what, <laughs> that's what they do um they're incredible at, like i just a few things and, and it happens to be those two um
1: chris from your picture i never would have thought that you have scandinavian blood never ever ever
2: <laughs> yeah um yeah the, the blonde hair blue eyes just you know totally should be like I, everyone thinks i'm like a ball like a eastern european of the eastern european descent not you know not you know straight out of oslo um <laughs> Yeah, I, look, the, the Americans have not won a gold medal in women's hockey since the inaugural, I believe. I think Canada's won everyone since, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and look, like that's that's fine. Canada Canada can can take that. That's. That's good. America deserves. And America needs to take some L's sometimes. Like that's <laughs> we
1: deserve it. I mean, it's um, been uh, it's been one big L for the last little while, I think. But uh...
2: look, the day the, the 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 real problem would be when like R.J. Barrett, Andrew Wiggins, and Tristan Thompson like shock the world and beat teams fast. Like that's like that's when we need to to panic a little bit. Like I don't know when that is. Um, because they're all really young, and maybe Anthony Bennett will just, like, have, like, a crazy international performance and, like, redeem himself in, in some way. Like, that that's kind of my dream. But when, until that happens, I think, like, America is good. Like, if America loses to Canada in basketball in that way, and the, let's say the Raptors make the finals this year, and, like, these things happen within a five-year span or something – like, then I think we have to start talking to, you know, like, there might be a, the declaration of war incoming because, like, that's just that's just the problem, <laughs> I think, it's America. It's a
1: big bruise to the ego. You can just move here if you want. It's all right. We, I mean, we do, we do have Justin Rowan, but other than that, it's pretty good.
2: Yeah, you know what? Like, I would just really <laughs> never need to go to Winnipeg.
1: No, you. Know, that's not Canada. <laughs> it's, it's sort of halfway related.
2: Winnipeg is not Canada. Sean Woodley, February 21st as we record this. <laughs> Um, just on the record <laughs> he, Not a fan Not a fan
1: of Winnipeg No, well, it's, I mean there are uh, people that, in Winnipeg I like Like John Gotis from Raptors HQ He's a good dude I like John Justin though pff, Just like ruining the look, entire reputation of uh, Of of the peg
2: Look ruined ruins through the sword Don't know why I keep him on um, <laughs> You know just Bringing down a reputation
1: Uh and, just have him for the Twitter, Twitter followers this, really yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Like, which you know, what, we gotta make sure he didn't pay for those. Gotta make sure. Um, gotta <laughs> you know, check audio, Justin. But you know, just one of the, the Cat fans out there that are listening to this that aren't following a lot of members of Raptors Twitter. John is one of them. Um, the whole Raptors HQ, even da- even Harsh Dave when he's tweeting about che- gross Chelsea and Kyle Lowry's peach. Um, <laughs> Raptors Twitter is great. Engage with them. And you'll, you'll, it is a, again, they're much, they're, let's just say they're, they're one of my, the, the friendlier Eastern Conference uh, Twitter base to, to engage with if you're going to partake
1: yeah, in are now in the finals. We're too beaten down and sad to be arrogant, so uh, come on, <laughs> come on down and uh, laugh at our misfortune. This was fun, dude. This went a lot longer than I thought it would, but this was fun. It's-
2: yeah, you too. Everyone now gets basketball back, so you will not have to hear. Um, you'll probably hear, still hear us ramble, but you know, not be uh, <laughs> making jokes about hockey and lock gazette and in, in Norway. But uh, you can find me on Twitter at cd. I'm ready to find the pod in, locked on Cavs pod on Twitter at locked on Cavs.
1: Yeah, I'm at Woodley Sean. You can uh, find the show at Locked On Raptors, iTunes ratings, reviews, all that good stuff. Five stars, please. It helps Five our ego so much. It's wonderful for you to do. Uh, If you are in the Hamilton, Ontario area or Toronto, Saturday, women's basketball, McMaster University, I'm doing the PA for that game. They're in the playoffs. It's the quarterfinals. It'll be a good time. Come on down. Support a a good local basketball team and uh, hope to see you there. If not, uh, thanks for not coming, you you assholes. I didn't need you to come anyway. and like they
2: uh, need swore that that is like the, the peak of the apocalypse.
1: <laughs> oh boy! Uh, if swears on the podcast are uh, the peak of the apocalypse, we have been dead for a long, long time.
2: Look, we've been there for a while. But yeah, when are the Raptors back in action? When are the Raptors like? If people want to tune in and watch the Raptors, they, they play see. the
1: Bucks on Friday, and what should be a very fun game.
2: Look, so you, you my, this is my advice: watch the Cavs play the Wizards on Thursday. Yeah, Tivo Tivo Cavs Grizzlies, okay. And watch Raptors Bucks and then watch Cavs Jersey's like Sunday or something like that.
1: What is T VOD? Is that, isn't that like an old I, thing? Isn't that old? Well, like they I don't, don't have know. it anymore?
2: You know, I, I, I just use it as a verb. I, I'm you know Maybe that just means I'm like a 90 year old man trapped in a body, but it's like DVR um, in, for the non core. Or if you have Sling and you have like, or YouTube TV and you have the cloud recording, do that. Yeah, just I, I
1: just. We, in Canada, we call it a PVR.
2: What what is that?
1: Personal what? video recorder, I guess. See, I
2: don't even know I D. I couldn't.
1: DVR it, is digital video recorder. Yeah, but um, you know.
2: PVR is better. Even though I hadn't heard that before, I think I like that better.
1: Yeah, so I'm just gonna PVR the the Cavs and and Grizzlies game, which sounds miserable. Really, that game. Uh, it's
2: super sad. Like you in should Memphis, watch
1: Bucks. Like, Bucks Raptors. You should watch Giannis. Probably lead to some tears. Um, it'll be good. It'll be a fun. Yeah, it will be
2: good. Basketball is back. We're the whole Locked On Network, uh, and also check out Locked On NBA. Money through Friday now. Uh, a lot of the great hosts of the network are contributing to that, including two of my favorites, Wes Goldberg and David Ermill, I believe on Tuesdays are, are doing their show, so check it out. Uh, follow us. Five stars make us happy as podcasters. And Sean, you want to take us out?
1: Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in again. Ratings, reviews, all that good stuff. And uh, until next time, thank you for listening to Locked On Calvurs.